0: You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery and drug use and policy, but occasionally we talk about other topics as well. On this week's show, I interview Garth Mullins, a drug use advocate and the host of the Crackdown podcast, but first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you could
1: always spend with you. And some battles are for yesterday, but today is for a new beginning. Choose to struggle and don't worry about what they say. Cause you can always win when you choose to struggle. And you can bounce back Come on and listen in to choose to struggle. Choose to struggle. Choose to struggle. Choose to struggle.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. So great to be back with you all. Thank you to everyone who reached out about last week's episode. I love chatting with JT. He's such a great guy. I hope you go check out his work. He's doing some really great stuff, not just around here in Philadelphia, but his podcast is wonderful. And if you yourself are a veteran or someone who works in uh disaster response, law enforcement, whatever, reach out. He's, he's a really interesting guy to chat with. Giant thank you to everyone who continues to reach out and promote Made It. Uh, the reviews are rolling in, which is awesome to see. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I do see those. So thank you. Uh, if you have not left a review, you can do so on Apple at the at the show itself. You can do so at the link in the show notes of those, those episodes. Um, there's a review link, and you can check that out. And I really appreciate it. It really means a lot. Keep sharing. Had some really interesting people reach out with uh, thoughts about it. People from all around the world. It's been very cool. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please keep reaching out. Thank you for the people who tried out Bot Inbox. Um, none yet, that are <laughs> none yet that, that, uh, are, are, show worthy. Uh, and, and that's not an insult to the couple people who have tried it. They very clearly were just like, I'm trying this out because you said so, which is very nice. Thank you. If that's all you want to do, I really appreciate it. Uh, but if you want to get played on the show and get a choose your struggle swag bag, please actually say something and not just, Hey, following your instructions and trying this out. A couple other things before we get into this week's show. Number one, uh, I linked this in the show notes last week, but I'm actually going to say it this week and, and and put it in the show notes again. I have an article out in Yes Magazine about the overdose crisis and how we can just make the world a better place for drug users and those struggling with substance misuse by remembering why people choose to use drugs, uh, mostly for pleasure. The, the magazine edition is specifically aimed at... Uh, it's the pleasure issue is what they called it. And I was chosen to write an, uh, an op-ed essentially an article on, on using or finding pleasure in drug use and how our, our drug laws don't honor people who, who choose to, to use drugs for pleasure. Uh, check that out. It's linked in the show notes, or you can go to yes magazine, search for that and, and go to their pleasure issue and, and find the article there. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'd greatly appreciate it. Got a couple of other writing stuff in the works. So stay tuned on that. Uh, Some really exciting news also in the show notes and all over my social media. I am a finalist for (laughs) best of Philly. Uh, It's a competition they do every year. All sorts of stuff. Everything from lawyers to (laughs) the best pierogies to the best Philly blogger is the category I'm in. I'm a finalist of one of seven, I think, or six. Uh, And (laughs) voting goes until September so um would definitely appreciate if you vote. The link will be in the show notes of every episode until then. Uh, it's also on my my campsite link. It'll be on all my social media. So check that out. And if you feel like voting also, our good friends over at Savage Sisters are also a finalist uh, in the non for profit category. So big shout out to Savage Sisters. Uh, so that is very cool consider voting for both of us um, I'm under the arts and categories no <laughs> arts in entertainment category Savage is under the services category so if you feel like voting check that out I would really appreciate it final thing before we uh get into to some other stuff um I am recording this on Wednesday since I did since I recorded the intro to last week's episode which was on Tuesday or Wednesday there have been three mass shootings Three, I, I debated it doing something like I did for abortion, where I was like, I'll, I'll punt this week's episode and do something. And then I remembered that this is just a normal week in America. I mean, three is a lot, obviously, but we have not gone two days without a shooting that qualifies as a mass shooting, and, and that is four or more people shot in, like, years. That in itself is, I think, it says more than I could ever say. Uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to commit the whole episode to this. Uh, I will say, yes, be mad at Republicans, obviously, very easy. But take the second step and actually step back and say, you know, honest question, honest question, what have Democrats done? I mean, what what have they done? What have they done? Uh, I appreciate the people um, mostly on social media and a couple news I will shout out. This is starting to to become more of a common refrain who correctly pointed out that all it took was one protest. All it took was one protest outside of the Supreme Court and our government jumped into action and banned that, even though a lot of those protests were either uh, co-hosted or supported by the neighbors of the Supreme Court members. It took one, one day. Um, and yet we continue to have more mass shootings than the rest of the world combined and nothing, nothing happens. So, yeah, I don't know. Smarter people than me are calling for all sorts of answers. Everything from mass, uh, protests to, to, uh, boycotts of, um, businesses that continue to support legislators, all sorts of stuff. I, I don't have the answers. Um, if you... If you are a group that is looking to do something big and you want to amplify your voice, reach out. I'll, I'll happily do it. I don't have the answers. I do know that everybody blaming this solely on Republicans is is willfully blind uh, because it is everything. Um, and and, and again, this is you know sort of the, highlighting the difference between a couple years ago when Biden came out and called for action. I saw very few people applaud that and more people go, are you fucking kidding me? You're the most powerful man in the world. Do something. So props to that change. That is progress. Yeah, Um, that kind of rolls into this week's episode because the guest today is one of the better advocates than I know, uh, specifically around drug use and and addiction. Uh, He is Garth Mullins. Garth is the host of the Crackdown podcast, uh, a, a guy who has been very open about his own drug use, his own struggles with addiction, substance misuse, all of that. Uh, Garth is part of the uh, Drug Users Liberation Front up in um, Canada, his podcast. It, it, you've heard me talk about it before. It was one of the ones I shouted out on, on Made It. He is a guy that I really admire doing incredible work. Um, his show is fantastic. It's one of my favorites. And I follow the the drug users liberation front and all they're doing. I just, you know, they walk the walk and talk to talk. And Garth is right there in that. And I, I just so appreciate that. Um, there was an issue with Garth's connection uh, so there's some crackling. And, and, and I, I did it. I got to pat myself on the back here. I actually did a really good job editing, uh, trying to take out as much of that as possible. When you listen to it, you may go, wow, this is good. Um, no, know, <laughs> know how long I worked to make that sound the way it does on this episode, um, because guards is worth it. His His words are that important. And I wanted you all to hear that. Uh, as I promised in the episode a couple of times, there's a, a lot of his stuff linked in the show notes as well as his music. So give that a, uh, give that a, a look. Um, and, and maybe you know, if you feel inspired by Garth, uh, to 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 you know, walk the walk and talk to talk, reach out. Maybe we can collaborate and think of some some solutions together. Because uh, no matter what, we are better together. So. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation with a really just incredible guy that I admire, Garth Mullins. Are you looking for a new podcast by a black, brown, or QTPOP creator? Are you finding it impossible to find your people? Yeah. It's all good. We got you with The Cube the one and only curated app of music and podcasts by Black, Brown, and QTPOC creatives. Get into it. Visit thecube.app, that's T-H-E-Q-U-B-E.app, and sign up for our newsletter so you'll be the first one to know when the app drops. You know it's going to be hot. The Cube, your new favorite podcasting app for BIPOC and QTPOC content. Support us on Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash choose your struggle or at the link in your show notes. All right. Welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It is great to be with you all as always. So today we have a guy on here who I have been a fan of for a number of years from a podcast that I don't say this lightly. This is one of the ones I listen to. And that is Crackdown. I I truly, I was on a a, a meeting earlier today and I was telling somebody that I was interviewing today's guest. And I said, you know, when I actually think about it, I think it may be the most honest, it it may be the most honest and vulnerable show in the drug uh, use and drug policy space. Crackdown is that good. And the host is Garth Mullins, who is here with with me today. Garth, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jay, thanks for having me.
0: You know, before we actually talk about the work and the show, I I, I like to understand people's stories, not just because I'm a storyteller myself, but also because we deal with a topic and that is drug use, drug policy, you know, addiction, all that kind of stuff that you don't wake up and decide to get into. That's it's not, oh, you know, I think I'll study this. So help my listeners understand what was it? Why does why is this these topics so important to you?
1: Oh, I mean, because I lived them you know, like I'm an old school dope fiend. Like I used uh, heroin and opioids and uh, rock and everything for, you know, a decade and a half and been on methadone uh, more so more recently, but uh, you know, like I'm a drug war survivor. So, um, you know, I just tried to walk away. I tried to say, I'll just get clean and put, you know, shut the door to this part of my life. But All my friends in my community are dying and it feels like a war zone. And so I'm like, you can't walk away. You got to fight. So yeah, that's what I do. That's why I wasn't an intellectual interest. It's, it's in my, it's literally in my bloodstream, (laughs) like the opioid molecules uh, that are circulating right now that I drank from the methadone this morning are part of the fight. That's, uh, that's what I'm doing.
0: And and for those who don't know the show, uh, you know, Garth is not in the United States. Uh, so so a little bit it, it's a little different up in Canada. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the, the, the suffering and the pain is all too real.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, I actually uh, was a black tar heroin user in the Tenderloin in San Francisco for a time. But um, now I can't get into the States because I have a criminal record and you guys don't want me. Uh, so too bad for you. <laughs> but, uh, Canada and the U.S. have a lot in common. We both have conducted a mean, brutal drug war for over 100 years. Um, the texture of ours is a little bit different. Uh, like ours it, in moments was actually meaner. Um, but also more recently, we like to talk about it in a classically Canadian way. Like we aren't so rude and nasty. We pour maple <laughs> syrup all over the bitterness and hard truths and racism so that they are easier to swallow. And we put please and thank you and I'm sorry around all the nasty words. Uh, but we essentially have the same drug war that that you all do in the States with a few little bells and whistles of politeness.
0: You know, I'm so uh, thank you for that, because I've learned so much about Canada's war on drugs from your show. You know, most of my own uh, knowledge is about the United States and in the U.S.'s impact on the world, but your show has been so interesting to me learning about how it is up in Canada. And I, I appreciate that. So thank you, but it, it, to, to, to further help our understanding here, you know, you did a, a, there was a really great episode where you talked about San Francisco a lot, but help us understand where your story started when it came to drug use.
1: I mean, I was, a I I was just a fucked up kid. Like everybody, you know, um, some bad things happened to me. I kind of got alienated from my family and the world. And um, through just drinking and working my way through all the drugs possible, uh, I was figuring out that you could manage this uh, terrible feeling of, of alienation and and really the, the feeling of not wanting to be on the earth, like that sort of deep, um, I don't know, like suicidal feeling. And when I hit heroin, I was just like, ah, this is perfect. This just shuts off all the howling ghosts that are constantly in my head. This just turns the switch off and I feel I feel good and normal. And So, I mean, I, I, I credit heroin to fucking up my life, but also save my life. You know, like I don't know if I would have made it uh, had it not been for the respite and the sanctuary and the stability and the home that I found in heroin. The, the warm embrace that heroin gave me that I wasn't getting from anywhere else. I, I just, I, I think I wouldn't have made it. So I, I really can't be, um, too, <laughs> too judgy about that, you know?
0: And, and I, I so appreciate that point. You know, we, we had a, a, a guest on here last season who I knew, you, you know, you knew his work or know his work well, uh, and that was David poses, who, who talked a mm-hmm. lot about rest in peace, rest man.
1: In, rest in peace, David.
0: I'll tell you what, man, I, um, I didn't know him well. I mean, we were friendly. Uh, he was on this show. I obviously admired the hell out of his work. Uh, but his, his death is, it's, it's been really tough. Um, cause man, mm-hmm. what an incredible advocate and what a fighter, but mm-hmm. David did such a great job in this show talking about the thing that people don't understand, was that he is like the, depending on which study you read, forty to sixty percent of people who don't respond well to um you know traditional treatment for for mental health issues. And to him, heroin was the best treatment he ever found until it wasn't and and, yeah. and I think that that story isn't one we hear you know, we hear only the horrible stories of heroin. We don't hear people like you and David saying, you know, I'll be honest, heroin made me live. It made me comfortable in my own skin.
1: And what made heroin so bad for David and me was the fact that it's illegal, right? So it made it hard to get it. You could drive yourself, like you make yourself broke trying to find it. Um, you know, for me, uh, like, you know, you kind of commit petty crimes and stuff and 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 also the stigma separates you off from like your family and the rest of society maybe you get evicted or fired uh and you gotta be secret about it but the actual molecule if it was freed from all of that bullshit all of that social organization the actual molecule of heroin itself if not for all that i don't think i would have had all those problems And, and maybe david wouldn't have either you know
0: and as as a guy that I really look up to, Carl Hart likes to say, and, and definitely did a lot in his recent book, you know, heroin is still used in many places around the world in me- medicinal treatment. Uh, and, 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 you know, we have this idea right now with fentanyl, obviously, on the street, it can be a little scary. But if you go tell, you know, your surgeon next time you're in the hospital, you don't want fentanyl, uh, they're probably going to roll their eyes at you. And, and that's not something we kind of uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's gen- mental gymnastics that a lot of people really aren't willing to do.
1: I mean, the most dangerous thing about heroin, the most dangerous thing about fentanyl, the most dangerous thing about rock and meth, all of it is that it's illegal, right? Like if these things were of known potency, known constituents, like the pharmaceutical versions taken where you have full knowledge of what's going on, um, you'd be okay, right? Like at at the corner store, they'll sell you a carton of smokes that has a lethal amount of nicotine in it. (laughs) And if you took the, all that nicotine all at once, you wouldn't be in a very good state. But you know what's in it, you know? I mean, this is uh, and, and probably smokes are more dangerous than uh, a lot of the things I just mentioned. But that's the problem. The most dangerous thing about drugs is that they're illegal.
0: Well put. So, so on your story, you know, you were using it for a while. It, it, when, when did it become a thing that you were aware of? Like, oh, this is no longer or this is becoming a problem
1: ah uh, geez you know i think i just um you know i woke up one night uh probably like uh, camped out somewhere uh and i was like got the restless legs and didn't feel good and i was i was just like sort of a dumb kid and i'm like oh oh yeah this is this is withdrawal this is what they this is what they warn you about right and so then the the good feeling that you get with heroin becomes combined with this need to get it uh so that you don't get dope sick and i think that was happened pretty young and then you've just you're sort of really on this cycle of uh trying to make money to get dope so you're not dope sick but also so that you're not back in that ghost howling place where you hate yourself and you want oblivion from the planet you know so
0: let's i i always feel so bad about this but as someone who who you know lived through withdrawals for a long time with uh mine was benzodiazepines but you know i think a lot of god
1: that's that's even worse man that's awful
0: (laughs) uh seriously (laughs) yeah mine was clonopin, and it was awful um but I think a lot of people don't really understand you know i'm I'm putting out a show pretty soon here by the time this drops, it'll be out where where the 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 subject of the show really talks about how much he hates when people say, "Oh, it's just a bad flu," and she's like, "Yeah, go fuck yourself it It's not a bad flu What was that like for you in in in, in those withdrawal symptoms?
1: I mean, you definitely have all the symptoms of a bad flu, and I don't mean like a cold where you have to sniffle and you don't feel good. I mean like influenza, like a really bad influenza that, that regularly kills a lot of people or, or really worse than that. So you have all of the, um, the symptoms like you're, you feel cold and hot and shaky and sweaty and anxious and nervous and twitchy. And you're throwing up out of both holes and you're just like uh, a wreck. But then on top of that, there is this whatever you whatever heroin was keeping bottled up is now out. Whatever the opioids were keeping bottled up is out. And I always think about that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. You remember Indiana Jones and they're trying to get the the Ark of the Covenant. At the end of the movie, the Nazis capture it from them and they set it all up and then they open the lid. And what comes out of the ark of the covenant is not the 10 commandments but a bunch of ghosts that go and melt everybody's face <laughs> and so that's what comes out face melting fucking ghosts right and you've been working to keep the lid on the box shut and using heroin to keep it shut and now the ghosts are flying around and melting your face and like that is not the flu that is something worse but on top of it on top of that you have all the worst symptoms all at once, not like a series of them, but just like gradually increasing and increasing. And, you know, if you just are feeling that and just the profound feeling that you want to die, or at least it happened, that's what happened for me. And then at the end of it, I I kind of figure the English language doesn't have the right vocabulary to really describe the deep hell of dope sickness. Like, I mean, maybe we need to get, uh, dig up Dante, And get him wired and then get him dope sick and he can go write the, the seven rings of hell of dope sickness or whatever the inferno of it or something. But I just, I don't think I'm enough of a poet to really describe (laughs) it properly, you know?
0: That was I don't know man that was a really beautifully painted scene horrible but a Yeah we went from painted...
1: Indiana Jones to Dante that's a good good cultural references in there
0: and everyone listening should immediately go find dope sick because I'm sorry <laughs> cracked Down, because this is you know the sort of beautiful imagery that a lot of your episodes contain but you know staying on your story when what did getting help eventually look like for you and, and it, it, you know I'm guessing here but how many times did you attempt that
1: um, you know, like various girlfriends through the years told me to go to 12 step because that's what was available. And that's what we were told. And I was like, not being a good partner because I was like hiding, um, my, my drug use from, uh, my partners or, or like grinding them for money to pay for dope all the time or, or being just like, un you know, like not being, uh, like not being someone you can really plan the future with effectively. Um, and so, yeah, I went along to 12-step programs and, you know, I had to recognize that I was powerless. And then I had to do this and that and make a moral inventory, a fear, fearing, fearless and searching moral inventory of my moral defects and failures. You know, so I was told, like, basically, I am a broken, morally defective human being. And I think I internalized a lot of that stuff, you know, like for, so for most of my life, I considered that I was fucked up and broken and that drug use was a part of my, or a symptom of my brokenness. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that didn't work for me. Like I tried to make it work, but I never really advanced very far on the keychain color spectrum. (laughs) You know, you get these key tap, key fobs or whatever that are like different colors, depending on how many clean days you have. And I got a lot of them. I still have them. That are the white ones that say just for today, which they always tell you that's the most important ones, the person who comes in and has no clean time or has like an hour of clean time from the meetings or whatever. Uh so yeah, I went in and out of that a little bit. And that to me wasted years of my life and damaged, uh damaged my ideas. And eventually I tried to get on a methadone program. I had trouble doing that. So I, like most people, just bought methadone off the street and tried to organize my own. Rapid tapers and stuff, and oh, I tried to get on the methadone, got rejected. Eventually, got on the methadone program, and after year, and years, and years and years, I was doing mostly just methadone. But you know, for a long time, I was doing methadone and heroin and other stuff. But it did give me stability that um, the bottom wouldn't fall out of my life. Like methadone kept me from being dope sick, and that was huge, right? It didn't solve all my problems, didn't replace all the drugs, but at least it allowed me to like have a stable job and go to work and start paying off my debts and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't claim to be this hundred percent methadone uh, only kind of person, but it was really the principle of substituting an illegal opioid molecule heroin with a legal opioid molecule methadone. It was the key to me having stability in my life. And so I think that principle, everybody should get it and it shouldn't just apply to the methadone molecule, it should be heroin and fentanyl. Like those are really effective replacements Far, you know, like pharmaceutical grade heroin is a great replacement for street heroin, the same with fentanyl and all that. And that principle can give a lot of people back their life.
0: Man, there's so many different directions. I, I want to, I, I could take that in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, no, this is wonderful. Actually. So let me ask you a question because I don't know the answer to this. You know, here in the in the US, obviously, one of the the things that advocates are fighting for is a easier access to uh, MAT across the board. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could pick any of them. We need easier access. What is that like in Canada? This is kind of off the where I was going with this, but I'm really curious. What is that the same? Do we need to fight for that in Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, they still they still um, call you in. Uh, to, to most For the most part, they still ask people to come in every day and, and drink the juice under the witness of uh, some professional. And uh, they still piss test you to see if, about your compliance and all that stuff. So it's still like partway between punishment and medical assistance. You know, it's still uh, you're still treated with suspicion and everything. Um, unlike in the U.S., you don't have to line up outside of the clinic in the morning, uh, rain or shine, or some states, I should say. Uh, So there are, there have been improvements, Um, but the reason, at least in British Columbia, where I live, is because we've had a group, uh, you know, like a a drug user advocacy group uh, called the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users that has been fighting in these systems for improvements and reforms for the last 25 years. So to the extent to which we've found and, and won some small reforms is because we've just like just chipped away at it and chipped away at it, but we have a long way to go.
0: Well, before we launch fully into your work and in that really interesting work, let's pause. And if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you online, find the show, all that kind of stuff.
1: Anywhere you get podcasts, uh, we're there, you know, iTunes or Spotify or whatnot. Um, You can listen to it on our website, which is crackdownpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at crackdownpod. Uh, you can follow me at Garth Mullins. That's probably the easiest way uh to see what we're doing. And um if you feel so inclined, uh patreon.com slash crackdown pod. If you've been following the show for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Roadrunner
0: CBD. I use all of their products. Seriously, I run through a tub of their muscle gel every couple of weeks because I'm in my 30s and everything hurts. Their balm is perfect for keeping my skin smooth and healthy, and I mix their CBD flower with every joint I roll to give my high that perfect equilibrium I'm always looking for. So to change your life with Roadrunner CBD's products, go to roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash cbd. C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout for 10% off. Trust me, you're going to want to try this out. Check them out today. Find us on social media. Check the link in your show notes or search for Jay Shiftman and choose your struggle on any social media platform. You know, before we continue, I will say, I, I i am sure I will have said this on the intro when I record that for the show, but I am a
1: Patreon supporter. Oh, thank you so much. That, fuck, thanks very much. Hey, eh? like, that's, that's very cool. Like, I, like, I do not take that for granted at all. That is a big deal when somebody says, Hey, I'm going to give you a few dollars from my meager, <laughs> meager income to help you do the thing. Um, we really we really mean it. And we take that money and we we go use it for investigative journalism so that we can best ammo at the government who is causing this problem than we that we absolutely can. So thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. And, and as a, a, a fellow, you know, Patreon guy, I mean, this show is also partly supported by that. I, I echo that. I think it's super important. Yours, I will say, I think you could be charging more, my friend. I, I think that the work <laughs> you're doing.
1: I mean, you, go ahead. You can give as much as you want, please
0: Well, I <laughs> give I will, as
1: much as you want. <laughs>
0: I thought I was limited by your platform, but I'll have to go back and check that out. No,
1: again. no, you're not, not at all. You can choose your amount. And if it looks, I'm going to go look at that thing and fix it. If it looks like we're, so we don't charge for anything. You can listen to the show for free. Anything we do, you can get for free. So it's, it's like, we just, if you want to support us, you also can, and I'll make sure the platform doesn't make it look like you can only give a couple bucks or something.
0: Like it that. also could be user error. I'll, I'll admit I, I, as, as even though I'm a guy who does this work online all the time, I'm not the most proficient with it. So uh, it could be that,
1: but you and me both brother. <laughs> so
0: let's actually talk a little bit about that because uh, you know, I, I, I said I've, I've actually shared crackdown all the time and, and uh, the listeners who, who have already listened to made it um, by the time this comes out, know that you know one of the ads on there is for Garth and crackdown. Uh, and you know, one of the things I said in that in that ad, which I recorded myself, was that every episode I end up sharing it with someone because I'm like, this is a point you need to hear. And you had one a couple of months ago. Uh, this would have been by the time this comes out a couple of months ago, where you accurately and just in such a beautiful way called out elected officials for empty words. And you, as you said, no one has resigned. Nobody has lost their jobs with these overdoses. I I was sitting in a parking lot listening to this. I couldn't drive away because I had tears in my eyes listening to you talk about this. Where did this advocacy come from, Garth? Where where did from your own experience? When did you decide you know what this is what I want to do?
1: I feel like I I'm just a born um activist. Like uh I'm uh, I'm blind, so that has made me have to figure out a different way to engage with the world, right? Like I, I have to fight to understand visual information. Um, and I guess that's made me, uh, <laughs> forgive the pun, but see things a little differently. And um, I also have been in the labor movement. You know, I worked in a mine when I was young. I know that sounds nuts to be blind and working in a mine, but I do have some eyesight. They just, they call it blind. It's a It's a continuum. But uh, it was a non-union shop, and people got injured there. And I realized that, like almost any venue that you're in, you got to organize with the other people who are affected and fight for a better deal, and that no one ever gives that to you. You always have to extract it from like the boss, the employer, the maybe the school that you're going to, the government, whatever. And that the whole history of the world is people organizing themselves like that. And the whole history of everything good, going back to just the existence of the weekend is because people fought for that. Like the labor movement in the US fought for an eight hour day, fought for a weekend, You know, labor movement all over the world. And I realized that um, the fight of drug users to just be treated with dignity and stay alive is not really so much different from the fights from marginalized people everywhere. And that we can benefit from knowing and sharing the strategies and tactics that have won for other movements. And so all through my life, I've been an activist, I've been an organizer, but it took me until the middle of my life to finally get over my own shame and stigma to fight for myself and my own people, my own, you know, fellow drug users. Like I just, I was so, so full of shame for this. I I just really veered away and it's only been in the last uh, five or 10 years, I guess, um, that I've, I've really understood better. Um, that I can be part of a fight and I can be open about it. I learned from other activists in the drug user movement, how to talk like this, like how to say, yeah, I'm an old school dope fiend and not to be ashamed of it or not to qualify it or not to say, Oh, I'm working on recovering or whatever. Just like, I'm just like, this is, this is who I am fucking deal with it. You know, like I learned that from these activists. So like, I've always been an activist, but also this activism has probably greatly saved my life. And the last part is, like I'm an old school punk rocker, you know, like I've played in crappy little bands and we've always had to do it ourselves and make our own gigs and make our own zines and record our own records and stuff. And, and so this, this sort of approach comes really naturally.
0: Man, that was really well put. I, I, I love the part about stigma because this is something I say a lot is that there's two dates for people in recovery. There's the time we enter recovery and the time we first open, openly started talking about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. because it's so, and it took me five years, uh, to, to, to do so. And and then once you do, it's very freeing. And I don't think it's that surprising that so many of us then turn to advocacy because we feel like, why was I keeping this silent? And it shouldn't be, no one else should feel that shame that I felt.
1: And to me, it's, I felt a lot of survivor's guilt too. Like that, that maybe I'd gotten to a point where I, Felt like i wasn't going to die you know like i have lived through two officially declared overdose crises the first big wave of the aids pandemic uh like i survived these things and i don't want to leave people behind but i also understand that um i have this great luxury to be able to talk like this because i have housing and an income that cannot be fucked with by my uh, my admitting that i'm a drug user or can't be easily fucked with you know um I don't mean that to be a challenge to somebody out there, but like uh, like I think that a lot of people are secretive about their drug use for really good reasons or their past drug use for really good reasons because their family might ostracize them, they might get fired, they might get evicted. And and so I, I think, you know, I know Carl Hart calls on everyone to come out of the closet and admit it, but I think if it's safe, like if you can find a way to do it where it's okay. And if you can't, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, Oh, damn. I can't. I understand. And I am, I am you because most of my life, the vast majority of my life, I was secretive about this stuff for my own protection. And I understand that. And that is completely legit, like fucking more power to you. It's hard to survive on your own, but, but like with that secret, but sometimes you need to do it and that's okay. I can feel you. I know your secret. (laughs) I I know who you are. I know your secret.
0: (laughs) I, I echo that so much. And, and, and you know, I, I also I like that addendum to Carl's words, because as a white guy with with privilege, getting a second chance in a world where most people don't get there first. That's why I feel motivated to do this work. And if you don't check a lot of those boxes and you don't feel safe to do it, I I just completely understand and say that I I I don't I understand that I don't understand, I guess would be a good way to put it.
1: Oh fuck it, ain't. I mean, in Canada, people are still, you know, the state will still come and seize your kid. You know, so people who are parents, um, probably want to keep quiet about that because they're, especially if you're Indigenous or Black, right? Like that, they'll done, they'll really target you. But it's just like that's a sorry sirens.
0: Uh-oh, are they coming for
1: you? No, they're not coming for me, but it's a very common sound around here because uh, I think of ambulance actually, because just the r- rate of overdoses, I never do an interview where there's not sirens mm. at some point. So it's just like, it's, it's extremely common here.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. So, okay. So then going off of that sort of both of those topics, what made you then say, you know what, I have this platform or this ability, I have a voice, I want to use it and start the show crackdown.
1: I think part of it was that, um, you know, I'd learned audio and radio skills uh, a long time ago. You know, I did community radio. Um, I did sound for some of my own gigs, a little bit of recording for my own bands and stuff, uh, that I had a union job at work. So I couldn't, I couldn't easily be fired just because, uh, it would be known that I was a drug user. And I thought, you know, I have some skills and I have some protections. um, and this could be my contribution. Like I was in a world of activism of people who are taking real risks and really standing up for our community and, and for our survival. And this could be my contribution, right? Like th- there's a drug war. This is our side. This is our army and I need to be a foot soldier in it. And here's where I can apply my skills. You know, we all have, we all have different skills and different contributions to make. And I had learned a great deal from you know, from, from a lot of the people that I've been a fellow activist with. And, and so the first thing I do for crackdown is recruit them to be on the editorial board. So like the, the editorial board of my podcast, the people who tell us, uh, here's the topics to cover. Here's the positions we need to take on stuff. Here's the concerns we have. Like those people are the people I learned how to do this activism from, you know, the people who fought and won for the first safe injection site in North America insight here in Vancouver, that's D Wilson. Uh, like Laura Shaver and Shariski Wadden, who is now deceased, RIP. Sh- they taught me how to talk uh, like proudly about um, being a drug user. Like my oldest friend, Jeff Loudon, who is the bullshit detector of the show, who's just like, this doesn't seem right. This person sees Dodgy. This guy's front and blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just like, he knows the world in a way so so deep and true that it's just like he's always been a great source of advice and a great friend. So like these people, I just wanted to make this thing with, you know. So like that's uh, uh that's why I gathered around. That is not the question you just asked at all. Uh, but but it was a beautiful answer
0: because, uh, <laughs> as a as a you know regular listener, it is one of the most uh, thorough shows that I listen to. I mean, you can tell that a lot of work goes into it. Uh, and, and, and you know, you, I will say you do mention a lot of these people every episode and give them shout out. So I don't think anyone listening who listens to your show won't be surprised that you took a moment to do that. Um, so let's talk about the that, that last episode. I know you've had one since I've not listened yet, but uh, that one called Resign. You you were doing a couple different really important things in that episode. And I think that was such a perfect encapsulation of you, the the show, and also the community that you're a part of. You were both doing an outreach event and trying to fight in the political sense at the same
1: time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this uh, episode resign is the story of February the 9th, 2022, just one day. And two different kinds of responses to the crisis. So on this day, the coroner was announcing the death statistics for the previous year, which were huge and put British Columbia in sort of the top world, which were record breaking for us, which were worse than the year before, which was worse than the year before. So there were kind of two different responses to the um, the statistics. There was the government's response, which was to hold a press conference and say, Oh, this is very sad. Um, we're very sad. Our hearts are heavy, but we're trying our best, and we're really, we're really doing good. And and you should really like us. That's what the minister said, who's who's kind of like the the head of that part of the government. Uh, that's what we call them here and in in the UK and stuff. And then the activists, um, myself included, with what's called the Drug User Liberation Front, gave away tested, clean heroin, uh, meth, and coke, and just gave it to. Uh, the membership of our movement. Um, And we did that because we wanted to show, here's how you actually stop these statistics from getting worse. Here's how you stop the overdose crisis overnight. You don't try to drag people into some recovery scheme that that if it even works is going to take years and years and lots of relapses. We don't have time for that, right? This shit's going to kill you this afternoon. So we need solutions for this afternoon, not, five years or 12 steps or whatever down the road right and and that's great that that works for people but most people don't get a chance you don't recover if you're dead right so uh we gave away um you know this these uh sourced uh clean tested drugs you know we ran through a mass spectrometer and all that to make sure there was no fentanyl or no, no uh you know like rat poison or detergent or any other cut in there and then gave them out and um you know it was a symbolic action to show this is what's possible people will do these drugs and not overdose and not die because people are overdosing and dying because they don't know the potency and the contents of their drugs the potency and the contents of these drugs was known and the solution is simple because all those drugs pharmaceutical versions already exist it's just the paperwork that stops us from getting them so we want to show the government this is how you do it and uh, so those two events happened on the same day and we took the microphones to both Um, My senior producer, Sam Fenn, went to the press conference and tried to ask a question on behalf of the movement. And our question was, don't you think you should resign from the government, uh, Madam Minister, because so many people have died on your watch? Um, But of course, they didn't call on Sam (laughs) because they get to choose who uh, speaks um, and who asks questions. And then I went to the, um, you know, I was part of the drug giveaway as a, as a member of the drug user liberation front. And I went down there with my microphone and just uh, taped it all. And I lined up like everybody else and, you know, got my heroin and uh, it was a good day, you know?
0: And it, and it made for an incredible episode. Um, you know, I, I, oh,
1: thank you very much.
0: Yeah. It was the one, like I was saying, I was sitting, I, I was listening while I was at the grocery store and I was sitting in my, my parked car in the parking lot afterwards because I couldn't drive away because I was tearing up at the way you ended the the, the show Uh, And and it was so heartfelt uh, that that your work um, and and it's one that I I'll link it in the show notes and obviously I'll link the show as I do with with, every time I interview someone but I I definitely recommend to everybody they go check out specifically the, the episode resign uh
1: and thank you very much i I really appreciate that you know it's like we we have a production schedule you know we plan out long way in advance the kind of things we're going to do we start the research we look for the everything you know we tape scenes sometimes it takes like six months or a year before we land because these are all each one's like a documentary right but that week we were just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just put out something where, we're, where, where our true anger and sorrow just like bleeds all over the place. Like, let's just let it be messy. And so like when I was doing the recording uh, of the drug giveaway, I didn't have all my proper gear. There's just taping on the iPhone. You know what I mean? We're just like, let's shove something out that really captures our feelings right now as a community. And I really appreciate your feedback on that. Thanks very much.
0: Definitely, man. Well, we could talk about this for a long time. I am cognizant of your time. Uh, Before we get into the final questions, if you wouldn't mind one more time, shouting out where people can find you online, find the show and all that good stuff.
1: I'm on Twitter at Garth Mullins. Uh, The show is also on Twitter at Crackdown Pod. You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts and also from our website, which is CrackdownPod.com. And you can support us on Patreon.com slash CrackdownPod.
0: And I will say, I did check real quick. It was user error. You can obviously give more for, for their Patreon. That was my <laughs> yeah, mistake. Please, <laughs>
1: G- give whatever you can, but you can also have the show for free if you can. not
0: Yes, and same same echo for my show. That is exactly how I feel as well. If you want to support, thank you, uh, but please don't feel like you have to. So we always finish with the same two questions, the first of which is, you know, this show partly does cover mental health. So what are your self-care
1: habits? Yeah, somebody asked me this the other day, right? They said, "What do you do for self care?" And like, I'm I'm old school. We didn't used to have all of the nice mental health vocabulary, you know. Like, uh, like my my niece, uh, she she can speak like in great sentences to describe her feelings, you know. I, and and so this stuff is c- comes later to me. So self care is just like I used to just use heroin to take care of myself. Uh, so I don't do that as much anymore. And so I, I found that. Like I really enjoyed just having a smoke, just going out and having a smoke and like being by myself and relaxing and just letting all the stress and whatever chaos was going on, just all fade away. I could just, I could even imagine like exhaling out the chaos. Uh, but I quit smoking. So God damn it. What do I do? I play music. I play music. I play guitar and sing, and I've been in uh, little crappy bands. My band now is called low dead space, uh, we're fucking great, man. We're like a little bit of jawbreaker, a little radio head, a lot of old school punk. And it just feels really good to get in a room with, uh, with some friends and make some noise or play a little show. And I really love that. And that's, that's what I do for mental health is music. It just, it feels great. You know,
0: can we, can we find recording of your, your current band or any of the old ones anywhere?
1: You can find, uh, lots of it on my SoundCloud. uh, Garth Mullins, Whatever SoundCloud is, I can't remember. SoundCloud.com slash Garth Mullins. So like a bunch of old recordings and old radio documentaries all in there.
0: I'll find it and make sure to, to link that in the show notes of the show. The last question we always finish with is, uh, you have kind of already did this, but we've now spent almost 40 minutes hearing why you're amazing, why we need to be following your work. But <laughs> shout out some people that you admire that we should all be following in, that, is, that are doing work that, that you truly think is important.
1: Um, it's hard, right? Because a lot of the work that I really, I really respect is done in the community. So it's a little difficult to, to follow some of it. But Eris Nix and Jeremy Calicum, um, who are organizers with the Drug User Liberation Front, are fantastic activists that I was talking about those drug giveaways earlier. They're the people who took the risks to go find that stuff. And it's illegal, right? You can get arrested for that they took the risks they've just pushed through and done this direct action the civil disobedience which is like you know i was saying earlier how we got the weekend how civil rights move forward it's how we got safe injection sites you know it's like breaking the law breaking unjust laws uh to get the goods that's like a long tradition and that's what they're doing and i just have like infinite respect for that um ann livingston is an activist who's been uh, uh she's not she says she's not a drug user herself but she's been an activist to help organize drug user groups all over British Columbia for the last 30 years just an incredible person taught me how to be uh you know like an effective at, at running a meeting and all that stuff to be effective at like uh just the the mechanics of building a group um she's really great uh let's see Zoe Dodd in Toronto Ontario is a fantastic like Drug user and drug user drug use uh, policy uh, person like and 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 anarchist and like just um, you know excellent smart smart person really worth following uh, on and a lot of these people are on Twitter um, yeah I think also some of the people who really inspired me are no longer with us uh, Tracy Morrison was the president of the Western Aboriginal Harm Reduction Society. And Wade Crawford was uh, my friend, and in um, some of the groups that I'm in, they're both deceased, but they made the connections between um, the drug user movement and and colonization. You know, like colonization ruining the lives of indigenous people and trying to erase um, indigenous nationhood on North America. Like connecting those dots so those movements understand their relationship to each other really important. Uh, Tanya Aganaba is um with black lives matter vancouver and also the defund 604 network we which um they organized to help us all come together to demand police accountability and to reduce police budgets in vancouver uh which have ballooned recently they're a great person to follow uh, gabrielle peters is a a disabled activist who is making the links between um all kinds of different struggles um the disability community disability movement and drug user movement like she reached out and really um, helped me understand a lot about my own um like location as a disabled person and really like finding these people in your own neck of the woods is important because we are living in the apocalypse right there are going to be and have been a lot of deaths from climate change like 500 people died in a week-long heat dome here in in vancouver last year uh, a lot of people have died from the pandemic, from you know policy and avoidable reasons like um, governments not insisting that people take measures in workplaces. A lot of, a lot of, lot of people have died in the drug war. Um, a lot of people have died in the ongoing efforts of colonization. You know, missing and murdered Indigenous women is a big problem in Canada. And so there's all these deaths. We're all targeted by government in different ways, and we're all being killed. And we all need to find each other and push back together that is the beauty of social movement organizing and that's what saves the world and that's what will will save the world if it's to be saved by the way so like those are examples of people from different struggles who've inspired me who I get to work with find the ones that are in your town work with them we all have a lot in common
0: beautifully put thank you for that some people some people you know have a name or two so i really appreciate how how much you leaned into that god that was very uh, very heartfelt. Thank you. And, and thank you for all of your work for the show, which is incredible. And for being here today, I, I really appreciate it.
1: Jay, thanks so much. Thanks for t- taking such an interest in knowing the like the details of our show and, and our lives here a little bit. Like I sometimes think like, why do people in the U.S. care what's going on in a Canadian city? And then and then kind of when I back up a little bit, I realize that y- y- Vancouver is like a warning to people all over the world. Vancouver is this place where the drug war here started in like 1908. It started years before the U S drug war. We got fentanyl here years before it was a problem everywhere else. We now have benzope which is, you know, kind of a cousin of Trank dope and all even worse, even more deadly forms. And so the, the things that are happening in Vancouver and we started getting that kind of dope by the way, in 2019. So the things that happen here tend to, to wind up happening in other places. It's like a long story that I don't totally understand of why, but we're like a bellwether. We're like a warning to everybody else. If you don't take measures, the shit that's happening to us is gonna happen to you somewhere, if it hasn't already.
0: Well, then please keep on reporting on it, Garth. We we need you to let us know what's coming down the pipe. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for supporting the show. Here at Choose Your Struggle, we rely on all of y'all to help us end stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. And there's so many ways to engage with our work, from our podcast to our storytelling events to bringing me in to speak to your company, your school, or your organization. You can also support us on Patreon for as little as $3.40 a month and we're so appreciative. This work is grueling at times and your support goes a long way to helping us keep going. So find us at chooseyourstruggle.com and find me at jshiftman.com and thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Choose Your Struggle family. Choose Your Struggle. If you're liking the show, please consider leaving us a review. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave a review right on your player. For everybody else, check out the link in the show notes. All Uh right, y'all. Uh, we've come to the end. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Garth. I, I, I You know, I just, I, I hope that the work that he's doing inspires you. If you, if you need that extra layer, go listen to the episode that we talked about resign it's in the show notes i i truly think it is one of the better episodes of a podcast that i've ever heard the inspiration i got from it was just astounding and right now i think we all need to hear this kind of stuff you know i love that episode because it it points out the hypocrisy you know <laughs> and and to put it in perspective the amount of overdoses that garth and his team were fighting and protesting over it was a fraction of what's going on in the US. So, you know, the U, just the fact that we keep the in, the the uh, the rate for incumbents who are reelected is over 90%. And if you're looking at the government and saying, "Yep, they're doing a bang-up job." Man, do we have different <laughs> different definitions of success. But why do we keep voting for these people? Why do we keep allowing the parties to 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 point the finger at the other one and be like well at least i'm not them and it's like yeah but you're also not good i don't know there's no Carter good egg this week i'm not in the mood for it uh your good egg is to do something do something do something choose your struggle